I'm Anthony, pastor here. That was Paul David Tripp. If you don't know Paul David Tripp, get familiar with him. Uh, fantastic uh, writer, fantastic uh, speaker, deep thinker. Um, and yeah, he has been uh, formative uh, through things that I've read and listened to from him. And so check him out. If you don't know him, um, you can get on his website. You can uh, find him on YouTube, Facebook, all those normal places in social media land. Um, I, I heard that come across my uh, Facebook, or I saw it come across my Facebook um, feed this week. And when I heard it, like, it just kind of hit me right between the eyes. Um, because if, if I'm being honest, like, he was talking to me uh, right there, because this year has been really hard. I don't know what it, what it is. I don't know if it's because, you know, we could chalk everything up to 2020, but I mean, that might be just a scapegoat. Um, but th- this year has been just really weird. I don't, don't feel like I've connected well. Um, like, I know the story. I know Jesus. I, I know Bethlehem. I, I, I know the story. Um, but again, like if, I, if I'm being honest, like, it's been really hard this season. I don't, it could be lights. It could, I, again, I got, it's just been really hard. And, and so as I saw this, like, it was a prompt in my spirit. Uh, it just kind of hit me between the eyes and said, hey, pay attention. Wake up. Look at the manger. Like, don't look at the lights. Don't look at everything around you. Pay attention to, to the right thing. And so I feel like the Lord this week has just kind of been um, reorienting me back to the manger. He's going to be reorienting my life away from, you know, like I've been getting ready for Christmas, right? But, I, but, I, but I've been getting ready for the event of Christmas. I haven't been getting ready for, for Jesus or getting, even getting my family ready for Jesus. By this time of, of the, the season, like we've gone through Advent guides and we've been really intentional. But just last night, we finally rounded week two of our Advent guide. Like we, have, like, we love the Lord in our house, but guys, it's just been really rough um, this season. And so I don't know, like, if this morning is just going to be for me and the Lord's going to speak to my heart as I stand up here, um, or if this is going to be for all of us, because, like, I'm guessing that I'm probably not the only one that is maybe a little bit disconnected from, from the humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus and how significant the, the, him coming to earth was. Um, I'm guessing that we could probably maybe all find ourselves in that space a little bit. So, um, if you've come this morning, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. If you've come expecting like a, like a big bang, kind of a huge celebration, or if you've come this morning to, to be entertained, you might be a little bit disappointed because all I want to do, like my sole focus of our time this morning is I just want to um, reorient myself back around the manger and back around Jesus. But my hope is in our time together that we reorient our own lives back around the manger. So if that's not what you came for this morning, you, you might be a little bit disappointed, but that's where we're going to go. In just a couple days, you know, we're going to be stepping into Christmas. Like it's going to be Christmas day, and I don't want us to miss the opportunity to simply look at the manger and be mesmerized by what we see there and mesmerized by the beauty of what Jesus incarnate does or God incarnate through Jesus does for us. Because the reality is exactly what Paul David Tripp just talked about, is that Jesus stepped into life. He wrapped himself in flesh. He came to this earth so that he could free us and rescue us from the things, the false hopes that we typically ornate our lives with, things that we decorate our, our lives. He came to set us free from those things, the things that we say, these will satisfy me. He came to say, no, the only thing that will satisfy your heart's desire is is me, is Jesus. And, and so he stepped into life to, to guide us into the true life that he came to prepare for us. And so if you would, uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles. Meet me in Luke chapter 2. Okay, Luke chapter 2. Um, I, I want to remind us, as we've kind of been, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that during this time that Luke is writing, um, 
this section of, of Scripture, the world has been waiting for a, a Savior. For over 400 years, the world has been waiting. Israel's been waiting over the 400 years, and it's been quiet. They haven't heard anything up to this point uh, from, from the Lord in a really, really long time. Actually, um, the whole entire world has been waiting for the Savior and the Rescuer and the Redeemer all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered the world, when sin came in and crushed things. So the world has been waiting, but Israel has been waiting for the past 400 years. They want to hear the voice of God. They've been waiting for the Rescuer. And there was a, a, a song uh, that the Lord just kind of brought to my mind this week. It's uh, um, by Chris Tomlin. It's, uh, this is our God. And the words have been resonating with me, and I've just kind of been ruminating over them. And I don't know if he wrote this to, to talk specifically to Israel's waiting or if he wrote to sp- specifically talk to our waiting, um, but there were some words in the song that kind of remind me of Israel's waiting in this. He says um, that the world is kind of in the space of, uh, they're, they're waiting for someone to be a refuge for the poor a refuge for the poor, to bring shelter for those who are in the storm, to restore the wasted years, to bring peace to their madness, to bring comfort to their sadness. And that's exactly what Israel's going through right now. Like they're, they're waiting for comfort. They're waiting for peace. They're waiting for their world that feels like it's been turned upside down to be turned right side up. They're waiting for a, a, a savior. They wanted somebody to relieve them from the oppression of the Roman Empire that's been pressing down and crushing them over the past 400 years. And so the question that lingered in their mind, it was in their soul, it was in everybody's mind, was how can there be peace if he won't come? Like, like how, how can we feel relief from our oppressors if the one who's supposed to relieve us, the Messiah, if he won't actually come? God promised, but he's not yet here. We're in the same scenario. We're isolated, we're waiting, we're in pain, and yet he's still not here. Can you imagine the pain that Israel must have been feeling in this moment? I mean, I, th- I think we can because I-, I think to some degree we walk around in angst today and, and-, and-, and we're waiting for some level of, of release, some level of uh, a savior to come and, and relieve right now. There- there's times we walk around and we feel forgotten or we feel like the Lord is not in the midst of what's going on because we look around the world and, and things aren't as they should be. We look across the states and we look across the other countries and, and we see, man, like sex trafficking is still a thing. Like people are being sold and people are being abused and we look at, that's not right. This is not how it should be. We, we look across our homes and we see broken homes and we see broken families, we see broken moms and dads and broken children. We say, this is not how it's supposed to be. And so we wait with angst. We, we look at even, like if we use 2020 as our layer, we look at everything that's going around and we say, this is not how it should be. And so we wait in our angst and we wait in our hope. You should be here. Where are you in this moment? Lord, Come. End all of this. Take us home. And the emotional, emotional turmoil, when we feel forgotten or when somebody feels left out, man, that's a tremendous feeling. And the temptation is when you feel left out or you feel like you've been forgotten, the temptation is to begin to fill your life with things that, or that, that, to, to fill you the desires of your heart. If he's not coming like he said he is, if the hope that the, the world isn't yet in my life and he's not yet showing up, then we, in, in our waiting, we begin to fill up our life and, and, and decorate it with all kinds of things that add false hope. It's what Paul David Tripp was talking about. But yeah, here's the thing. Only the Savior is ever going to be able to relieve us of our disappointment. 
Only the Savior is ever going to be able to give us what we're waiting for. He's the only one that can really fill the heart's desire that he has placed inside of us. Scripture says that he has put eternity in our hearts, and only he can add the satisfaction of waiting while we wait for eternity. You're never going to find a bottle that's big enough. You're never going to find a drug that's strong enough. You're never going to find a relationship that's going to last long enough. That you, you're never going to find a salary that's going to give you everything that you want or an employment that you're ever going to reach the top of the ladder and feel like, you know what, I am fully satisfied in this. Only Jesus can give us the satisfaction that our hearts truly long for. But when we feel forgotten, we fill our lives up with things that don't end up really satisfying. Israel felt forgotten. They felt left out. But God didn't forget he doesn't forget. Even if they feel like he's checked out, even if you feel like he's checked out, he, d- he doesn't forget. 400 years of silence has been going on. The perception of being left all alone. And then on an ordinary night, an ordinary night, when, like any other night that went throughout Judea, just normal. Sun comes up, sun goes down, moon comes up. It's a normal night throughout Judea. The silence gets broken by the loud whisper of God saying, here's your deliverer. Here's your redeemer. Like, world, here is your king. Israel, here is your king. But here's the thing. He didn't come like people expected. People expected a king. People expected a warrior. They wanted a soldier. They wanted somebody who fit in the line of of King David. He was coming from the line of King David, but they expected somebody to come wrapped up in royalty and be clearly designated. This is the king. How many of y'all seen the, the newest Aladdin? Uh, not not the, uh, the cartoon version, but the, the real life version, right? A few of us, y'all need to watch some good movies because this is a good movie, all right? There, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie um, where Prince Ali is coming into town and he's got this huge entourage with him. There's music and there's dancing and there, there's songs and there's uh, servants, there's food. Like it is a huge entourage and you can tell that royalty is coming to town. Everybody expected that Jesus or the Messiah would come with all of this huge entourage, not the entourage of animals in a stable, they expected to clearly be able to see this is our king, wrapped in royalty. No one expected a baby wrapped up in humility. That's exactly what God did. He said, Israel, world, here's your redeemer. And you hear the piercing cry of an infant throughout the night. You don't hear the battle cry of a warrior this night. Look at Luke chapter 2 with me. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first generation when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him for them in the end. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to pray that you would take your word and you would take the the value and the life-changing ability of it and you would illuminate it for us so that we can see and that you would, by your spirit, place it inside of us and change us from the inside out. Let the truth of your scripture reorient our lives around the truth of Jesus this morning, I pray. Only you can do that work. This is in your son's name that I do pray. Amen. So Gabriel, at this time... He's already, he's already come. He's already freaked out Mary. He's already freaked out Joseph. He's shown up on the scene. 
He's told Mary that she's going to be the mother of God's son, which is, that's no small task, right? Like this is going to be something that's going to rock her world and rock the world around them, of course. Um, She's been told that in some miraculous way, she's going to give birth to Jesus. And now's the time, right? She's in the the last trimester of her pregnancy. And and, and the last trimester of pregnancy, ladies, like help me out here because I've never gone through that thing. I can only go from experience of being with uh, my wife as she goes through. But the last trimester, that's when things get a little bit uncomfortable. You're like, well, it's uncomfortable the whole way through. Okay, I got it, okay? Like, there's no room left. No, there's no room left in the end, right? You got to get out of here. And, and, so, and so there's a lot of discomfort there. And, and the time when you should be heading to a local hospital, she's not actually heading to the local hospital. She ends up heading towards Bethlehem, which is about 90 miles away from, from Nazareth in the midst of this discomfort. I remember when Ashley, uh, she was pregnant with Anderson. Uh, Anderson uh, was 10, about 10 pounds when he was born. He was a, a big baby. And some of you are like, whoa, yeah. You know my wife, she's like, you know, like that. And Anderson was big. And if I would have gone to her at any point of the, of, of the pregnancy, but specifically in the, the, the third trimester, and said, hey, baby, like, we're going to take a journey across country, no, it's not going to be like a luxury ride, um, but, uh, but I got a camel or a donkey or something out there that you can ride on, uh, but, and if you don't like those preparations, you can walk. Like, like she's good. Like she's amazing. She never wants anything. She's so content, but I believe if I would have said something along those lines, she'd be like, dude, you're crazy. Like, like this is not going to work out, okay? This is not good. That's the scenario here. Luke tells us that there is a worldwide event taking place throughout the Roman Empire, when he says the, the whole world is coming to be registered, what he's talking about is the entire world of the Roman Empire. Caesar Augustus, he's declared this uh, census, this all people are supposed to be, uh, come and be registered. And the census is it's some, it's not something necessarily uncommon. It's something that happens every 14 years within the Roman Empire. But it's something for Caesar in this moment that kind of pads his ego, um, lets him know that he's doing a, a good job. And it also lets him know how big the tax pool uh, is for him as well. And so Joseph's family, they're from Bethlehem. That, that's like his, maybe his mom and his daddy or his grandma and grandpa, at some point, like they started in Bethlehem. So he's got to take his family or go take account of his family back to Bethlehem. Now, when we think about Nazareth to Bethlehem, here, here let me give you just kind of a, a picture for us. That'd be like driving from Ashland to Aurora. I've never been to Aurora, but I looked it up last night to see how far this actually is. So that's about the 90-mile mark. Some maybe a little more familiar with the Grand Island. That's getting a little bit beyond. That's about the 100, 115-mile range. So, but that's what we're talking about. And we're not talking like real smooth roads and real easy traveling here. We don't have cars and motorcycles or sidecars that you, know, you can ride in. That's just not how it works. You're either going by hoof of an animal or you're going by your own feet. That's just how, how it was working. And so thinking about making this trek was a, was a big deal. But here's what I, I want you to see. Nothing in Scripture ever is accidental. Nothing in this story is accidental. Right here, what you have, you've got a pagan ruler. He's calling people to go back home, to go back and be counted so that he can add to his military, so that he can add to the tax pool, so that he can continue to push forward the world dominance of the Roman Empire. This is all about Rome. But what this pagan ruler doesn't know is that God is using this. He's got a bigger story in mind. It wasn't by coincidence that Gabriel came and talked to Mary. It wasn't a coincidence that Mary or that Gabriel came and talked to Zechariah and Elizabeth about John. 
It wasn't by coincidence that, that she's been pregnant for about eight to nine months now and they are getting ready to go to Bethlehem. None of this is happening by accident. There is something much bigger that God is at work doing here. The creator God, the creator of all the universe is at work bringing about his rescue plan, bringing about his redeemer for people who have been waiting for so long to be out of their oppression, but it's gonna be in a way that they never expected it. Sovereign God is up to something here. The apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter four, that just the right time or when the the fullness of God had come, meaning that when everything was just in the right place, when people were in the right place, when towns were connected, when roads were built from town to town or from city to city, when everything was just as it should be, God's sovereignty said, this is the right time to send my son. So when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This was no accident that Jesus was coming exactly when he said, or when God said he was coming. Listen to the prophecy in Micah chapter 5, what Micah had to say. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Nothing here is happening by accident. It was prophecy that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And so what's happening here, Joseph and Mary, they're heading back to Bethlehem by God's design because this is the place that the Redeemer was to be born. And so Joseph takes Mary on this 90-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem, from from Ashland to Aurora, okay? Takes her on this trek to have the baby where God said the Messiah was going to be born. And Caesar has no idea that he's being used as a puppet for God's large, grand story of redemption. Caesar still thinks he's in control. But what you have, you've got Joseph and Mary, they're fairly obedient. And so they head to Bethlehem. They head there to, to go be counted. They, they go do the census. And, and thousands and thousands of Christmas stories and Christmas plays and, and Christmas pageants have been told about the rest of this story. Okay? Like, like we, we could spend uh, so much time on the climax of the story of, of the inn and the, and the innkeeper. We could tell stories about grumpy innkeepers. You've probably got funny stories about grumpy innkeepers that you saw growing up. For me, Carl was the best innkeeper that I ever saw. Uh, Carl was grumpy in and of his own self. He's in New York. He was, not that you have to be grumpy to live in New York, I didn't mean that, okay? But Carl, he was a, a funny guy. He was a quirky guy. He was a unique guy. Best innkeeper that I ever saw. You've probably got your innkeeper, and we could spend time talking about innkeepers. We could spend time talking about what, what an inn actually is and what is, what is commonplace, how many places are actually at an inn. We, we could talk about the room being full and there being no place in the inn. We could talk about how many people were crowding Bethlehem because so many people were coming back for the census. We could talk about all those things because all those pieces, they add color to the story. They add color to the sovereignty of God's plan and his design. But to be real honest, I don't, I don't want to talk about those right now. What I want to focus on is the fact that you have a Savior coming. You have the Savior of the world who's coming. Just like the Father had promised that he was going to come, and the places that we would expect for a king to be born, the places of splendor, the huge entourage, they're not even on his radar. See, God didn't plan for his son to be born where normal kings would be born. He he planned to step into the mess, He planned to step into the muck, to step into the mire, to the sin of our lives. From the very beginning, he chose to step into a manger. And he wraps himself up in in flesh. 
He wraps himself up in, in humility to say, hey, I'm, I'm here to be with you. I'm not here to be isolated from you in some ivory tower where you can't get to me and I can't get to you. I came to get down here in the mess and the dirt and the sin of life so that you might know how to get out of this mess and muck. I came to, be, I came to get dirty and to save you out of this stuff so you could have a way, so you can know how to get out of this so that you could find where true life is, so you could follow me, so that I could guide you to where true life is. I think over the past couple of weeks, I haven't connected with that part of the story. Um, I've connected with getting ready for Christmas. I've connected with the event of Christmas and trying to have fun and get presents in the house and put up lights and that sort of thing. But I don't think I've connected with the the humanity and the deity of Jesus like the story leads me to. I, I think that as I've been getting ready, I haven't thought about Jesus stepping in to the mess of the manger meaning that he was stepping into the mess of my life. Like for me, like I love you guys, but like the Lord has been applying this to my life this week. Like that he stepped into the mess of my life so that he might be able to lead me to life. And if I were to bring you into the picture, that he did the same for you, right? And so the Lord has been doing a work of reorienting me around the manger, not, not around a Christmas tree that is gonna remind me of the season, but reorienting my mind around the manger so that I can see exactly what he came to do. And exactly the significance of, of why he would come. Not like an ordinary king would come, because this is no ordinary king. You'd expect him to come with an entourage. You'd expect him to come with royalty wrapped all around him. You wouldn't expect him to come in a manger. But to do the work of, of cleaning up his people for salvation, like, like to, to do the work of going to a cross, he didn't need doors and windows. He didn't need a, a kingdom that we would expect. All he needed was to be born in to the mess, be born into to our mess. Look at verse 6 and 7 here with me again. I don't know if this is the place you would have expected Jesus to be born, but it definitely wasn't the place that I would have expected. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths and laid him in a manger. Do you guys know what a manger is? Like a, and a manger is, it's a, it's a food trough. It's a, it's a feeding trough, whether it be a wooden feeding trough or it be a, a stone-cut feeding trough. It's where the animals come to eat. Snotty noses, slobber all over the place. It's where the animals come to eat. Slop gets thrown into them. They certainly weren't clean. They were pretty dirty. It certainly wasn't the place that a king should be born. Certainly not a place that you should lay a newborn baby. Definitely not a place where a king should be born. But this was no, again, no ordinary king. A king like this is the king of heaven. The king like this is the one who left his perfect home, sitting next to the father. He put on flesh. He became helpless. He became fragile. He put on flesh. He became manual. He became God with us. And he chose the selected place of birth to be down in the smelly dirty stable with all the animals, chickens running around, cows running around, stinking up the place, goats and sheep running around, stinking up the place. His bed was a, was a feed trough, not a king-size luxury bed. I want you to try to picture Mary on that night. Like she, like she had Jesus, right? Like she, know, she knows what's been going on inside of her. And she's out in, in a stable, whatever that looks like. If it's a stone stable, if it's a wood stable, that's not, that's not the point. The, the, she was out with the animals. But you're trying to imagine, you know, Mary is 
given birth to her son, and, and now she's cleaning out the, the bits, the grain, the, the slobber, and she's cleaning it out as best as she can, looking around, seeing like, there's nowhere that's fit to lay this child. But yet as she cleans this place out, she's like, I got some hay over here, and maybe I can take some hay and put some hay in the deal. And so she puts some hay in there and, and makes it a little bit softer for, for Jesus. She wouldn't have chosen this. But a long time ago, this is, like, this is no accident, right? Like God planned for this. Mamas, when you have babies, would, you, would this be your ideal? Would it be your ideal taking your, your newborn baby? Like you don't want to break him, you don't want to get him dirty and, and, and to, to put him down into the manger. This was God's plan. Everything that happened that night, everything that happened months before, everything that happened all the way back to the garden from Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered into the world, this was God's plan. And this is why this is important. Jesus was saying from the very beginning of, of his earthly life that I'm not worried about fame. I'm, I'm not worried. Uh, like, you, you can keep the fame. I'm here to rescue you here. I'm not, I'm not here for the fame. I'm not here for the show. I'm here for the rescue. I step into your life so that you might have life. Jesus came to guide us to where true life is, and he did it through a manger. And so I don't know if you guys are struggling with connecting with Christmas at all this year, but if you're looking around and, and all you see is the lights, if you're looking around and all you see are the trees and, and the ornate decorations and, and trying to make your, your scenario just really feel really good, but you haven't yet looked into the manger, you're feeling a little bit disconnected. You're like, I just don't know what's going on. You feel a little bit disappointed. Or you feel like, I don't know where God is this season. I don't, I don't know where hope is right now. I want to invite you to, to look into the manger. And you're not just looking at a manger, but you're looking to see where the hope that we have because Jesus came and the way that he came. I feel like as, as the Lord has just kind of been working this into me this week, that he's just been reorienting my life around the manger. And what's happened is I, as I look there and I see the face of Jesus, like there's a, a worship that's beginning to develop inside of me that, that hasn't been here over the past couple of weeks. Like there, there's worship is beginning, like awe is starting to, to pick back up. I'm about to start crying. <laughs> and I... And he's filling my heart with worship right now. I mean, he couldn't come any sooner. I mean, we're a couple days away from Christmas. It's finally time. And he's put a song in my heart throughout the week. And actually several different songs. Um, this, uh, uh, the King Like This that was playing earlier, that's been in my head. This Is Our God has just been rolling around. The tapes have been going. There's a song that we're going to sing in just a few minutes that has been rolling around in my head too. But the, the beauty is that worship is welling up inside of me. Awe is beginning to, to move inside of me again. And what I want to do is I want to invite you, if you're really struggling to connect with Jesus, it may be that you, you've looked at all the lights, but you haven't looked at the manger. You looked at all the trappings of Christmas, and you've gotten ready for the event, but maybe you haven't gotten ready for Jesus this year. Right after this birth takes place, what happens is uh, uh, the sky just lights up, right? We know the story. The sky, you've got some uh, shepherds who are out in the field, and they're keeping watch over their flock, and an angel appears in the sky and comes with some great news, and then a whole host of angels show up. And, and what's significant about this is that the Savior was being announced not to kings, not to politicians, not to nobles. He wasn't being announced to all those prominent people that you would think that the, the birth of the Savior would be announced to, all those who might have been waiting. 
But he comes to the shepherds, the ostracized, those who are outside the city, those who have been pushed outside of there, who aren't either allowed to go in or don't feel welcomed into the city. And that's who he shows up to. And, and, and if we were there, that would have been us. Like we would have been out there on the side of the hill and it, it was those who he came to save. We would have been sitting out there with him. And so you've got these angels in the sky and here's how the story ends. <clears throat> and the angel said to him, fear not for behold, I, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts host, host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And of course those shepherds, they took off running, man. Like how could you not? They took off running to see the face of the baby who was lying in a manger. The light of the world had stepped into life to lead people to what true life was. And here in just a few minutes we're going to sing these words. For those who were waiting, he was here. For those who were hungry for a savior, he was here. To those who were praying and waiting, he was here. For those who were wondering, where is he? He is here. They're about to see the king. These shepherds were about to see their Messiah. These shepherds in the world was about to see Emmanuel, God with us, wrapped in flesh, wrapped in humility, not like any of us would expect it. But it was good news of great joy. That was for all the people. Because Christmas is coming in, in, in just a, a couple of days. Let's not miss the opportunity to look at Jesus. Look at the lights. Look at all the beauty. But that's not Christmas. Christmas is the birth of the Savior. So let's not miss the opportunity to look at him. Look at the manger. Know when you look inside the manger that you're looking at somebody who came to rescue you. This is the one that you've been waiting on. This is the one that your soul desires. This is the one that is the only one that can satisfy your heart's cry and your heart's desire. You can fill up with so many other things, but the only way that you will ever be satisfied is with this one who was born in a manger. Look to, to him. Let him lead you to life. The team's going to come up. They're going to play this song. Uh, this one has been rolling around in my head. It's from Lauren Daigle. It's uh, Light of the World. Uh, my daughter dances to this song at her dance, and I just melt every time uh, that she's up there dancing. But this was, it captures the beauty of people who are waiting. It captures the beauty of, of you and I who are still waiting, who are still waiting in angst, wondering, is our Savior going to come? It points us to the fact that he came and he will come again. So if you're waiting, this is a song for you. Would you pray with me? Father, would you fill us with hope this, this morning? Hope in the Savior, not hope in Christmas, but hope in the birth of the Savior. Would you allow us to be open and honest with you of where we're at right now, whether we're connecting with you, we're disconnected. There are some of us in the room right now who need to orient our life around you for the very first time in our life. And if there's anybody here who's never trusted Jesus, I'm gonna pray, Father, that you would open up their heart, open up their mind to allow them to intellectually uh, understand the truth of this story, but also by their heart understand that you did a work and you wanna do a work to transform them. Father, if there are people who haven't yet trusted you, I pray that they would orient around you and allow you to, to give maybe this first, this Christmas, maybe be the first Christmas where 
they open up presence and as they open up presence they they understand that you came and you were the greatest gift ever i pray this might be the first christmas that they experience it from your perspective and for us who are just trying to figure out how to reorient our lives around the manger father i pray that we would get just serious with you this week and say Lord, I haven't connected with you, so help me to connect. Fill my heart with worship. Fill my heart with awe. Put a song in my heart so that I might worship you freely. But lead us to where life is. And it's through Jesus who satisfies. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.